Hi everyone, welcome back to the beginning of season two of Ship It and Sip It. I'm your host, John McTavish. I'm here with Michael Lapidus, who is a new business analyst on our team. I'm really excited to start season two of Ship It and Sip It. It's a new year. There's lots of new ideas floating around. Uh, 2021 was awesome and terrible and all of those things at once. Uh, Michal, how do you feel about 2022? Are you excited? Do you have any goals for, for the upcoming year? Yeah, sure. I'm extremely excited. I have just joined the Parallect, an amazing team with amazing team players. And I have met so much people here and so much joy. I have joined in a very exciting moment for Perlect. So yeah, a lot of goals, a lot of professional goals, a lot of things to learn, a lot of things I really want to enjoy. So yeah, I'm extremely excited, yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll cover a little bit of our news real quick. The leaders of Perlect from the different teams have decided for 2022 that they're going to be way more build in public, hashtag build in public. So, Keep a lookout on Twitter uh, for Eager, our CTO, is going, he started to post a lot. Uh, keep a lookout for another podcast coming from Parallect to the public, which we will share about in the near future. And check out our video from our planning session for 2022 here. And we will show you just a sneak peek of what we have in store for Parallect, for the Parallect Accelerator for Startup Summer. There's a lot of fun things happening. If you're into Web3, if you want to be part of a super cool uh, project that will enable creators to monetize their work in different ways, check out DIP World or episode 12 from season one where I talked to the founder, Alex Schor. Speaking of Web3 and crypto, what do you, give us your thoughts on that. I know that, that you're, you're working a little bit on a project right now that might be um, in that space. What do you think? Do you have Bitcoin? Are you a, a, an early adopter to this or what's your take? Well, uh, a lot of hype really about yeah. it. A lot of people are talking about it. A lot of people have joined this huge community of crypto owners. Me personally, I have never earned a Bitcoin or anything. Uh, I have just uh, joined this, I don't know, movement. And I was like really into it for the past week, uh, learning about what is the blockchain, what is an NFT, what are those things and why people are so want to own a little bit of this. So yeah, um, you can, for the very first impression, you can think that it is a scam because, right. <laughs> because a lot of things are going on. Um, but really, I think it is a future and it is really in a trend right now. So I think Parallax should deep into it and to try to create Web3 products, that's for sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think awesome. like that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's understandable. I think it is part of our future. Maybe it's not the future, but it's part yeah. of our future, yeah. and it's exciting to be part of it here at Parallect and with the projects that we're working on. And I wanted to have you on the show right away, even though you're very new to Parallect, because you used to work at a, a, a global um, venture capital fund that has investments in Airbnb, that has investments in Coinbase, and a lot of other really successful products. And 
For Parallax, this is something that we want to become more a part of, the VC world via the accelerator, via our own fund, via different avenues. And I think your experience is, could shine a little light on, on what's happening behind the scenes at a major successful VC. So tell us a little bit about your experience there. Um, how long did you work for the fund and what was your role? Yeah, so it started in 2016. A friend of mine has invited me to become a part of the analytics team. And I, I didn't know that it is uh, belong to any VC or startup community or anything like that. It was just saying that there is a person, there should be a person who knew English and who li likes technologies and right. like to expand their knowledge and everything like that. So there were a huge probation period where we didn't know what we were doing. Like we had some tasks, we have some market research and it was pretty general. Uh, but then uh, when there are like a few people left, including me, they said that, you know, actually we want to invite you to become a part of a venture capital firm. And we were like, whoa, this is amazing. And then we have met like, uh, I think it was in Skype or something. Uh, we met with the founders and we have met with major investors of the fund. And yeah, like they were pretty excited to have us there. So we have formed a team, like an R&D team in Minsk. And our responsibilities were pretty much to look into the startups and to like have uh, our vision on should we invest in the startup or not. We have been preparing a lot of documentation. We have been searching in the web and we have been working with the data that the startups have gave us. So yeah, it was pretty much it. So we've been like processing a lot of information. And I think during the years, we have processed more than 500 startups or something like that. Yeah. Awesome. So coming into it with not a lot of, of startup experience or VC funding experience, uh, what, did, what are some of the main things that you learned over your time there about startup funding from VCs? Yeah, so um, during uh, this work, we have learned that a lot of startups are doing a lot of like common mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, uh, in order to raise an investment, you have to be in some communities. You have to be. You have to know someone because right. uh, when you, if you're, in, if you're just trying to get into the VC, not knowing anyone, it is the the percentage of your success is pretty low. It like, is very low. Yeah, yeah, I think I read on Twitter somewhere that. You have a better chance of being struck by lightning on a sunny day uh, inside than you do um, getting funding from a VC as a founder. So, yeah, you have to know someone, okay? It yeah. helps to know someone. It helps to know someone. You have uh, to have some network. Yeah, and uh, in your investment deck, this is, this is um, like some sort of a document you're providing to the VC if you have already in, in the process of raising money with the VC. Uh, you have to tell the truth mostly yeah, yeah. Uh, because um, most of the startups are trying to mention technologies that they are not really doing. Mm -hmm. I know it is a pretty common information you can search in the web, but I really want to point that out because so many startups were mentioning the really hyped technologies like machine learning, big data, AI and everything, but at the very closer look, they were not using these technologies. All right. And also the team is pretty important. Like if you are 
trying to create a solution for mental health and you have now and you don't have any team player from medicine or from healthcare there are really low chances that the VC will point, point at you. All right. Yeah, so, so the team is pretty important. Uh, it helps to know someone, be honest. Be honest, yeah. And uh, have, you, have somebody on your team with experience in what you're building. Yeah, uh, also um, when we were processing the information we have received from the startups, we were also taking a closer look to their financials mm -hmm. and their goals. And, you know, they were also mentioned traction companies they are already working with. We have also been checking that really closely. Uh, also, exit strategy is pretty important. If the company is planning to go on an IPO, we have been doing the market research in this sphere and we have been doing a research of the companies that have went public in this market like earlier like what are the chances that these companies will acquire this company mm -hmm. also if the company is planning to go on an MA, like merging and acquisition right so we also were trying to search for similar cases during the years yeah th there are a lot of things we were uh, we were paying attention to um especially the problem that the company is trying to solve mm -hmm. if it is something global if it is something that is in a trend right. especially yeah i want to talk about that a little yeah, bit because yeah. the trends are it seems like vcs are just following each other uh yeah it was you know you mentioned mental health for a while was really big now it's web3 yeah. in europe for the last year it was like really fast groceries delivery startups oh yeah a ton of, yeah. like i don't really need my groceries in under 10 minutes but if I could get that, I guess that's cool. Yeah, why not? So, so why is there such a herd mentality with VCs? Yeah, so <clears throat> for example, if a company is trying to get some VC on their board and for example, they are happy and uh, really fortunate to acquire, for example, Adres and Horowitz or yeah, yeah. I don't know, Sequoia Capital, other friends will see that and they will try to go on the board because these guys have something we should be there yeah so there the network is pretty huge the network is very dynamic and uh, there are certain situations when vcs are competing with each other to get on the board uh, to the fund mm -hmm. oh sorry to the startup right yeah so it's something like that I think. okay um so if there's a founder out there who says, look, I don't really care about 10 minute grocery delivery. I oh. really care about the problem that I'm trying to solve. I still think it's important, but it's outside of one of these like trending topics for VCs. Uh, is there any way they can sort of differentiate themselves and, and still get some attention or get some yeah. money from, from, from the team? Yeah, for sure. The, the solution there often could be like very, I mean, not, not the solution, the problem they're trying to solve could be not on the trend or it could be very like simple, but if they're using a very like high-end technologies and if a founder is like a very, very, I don't I can't say interesting person, if it is like a true, true entrepreneur mm. with a really good background, if it is a serial entrepreneur, or if they already have like a pretty good audience. Yeah, like. if they have a successful startup scene before, yeah. so there are a very high possibility that even this time he will 
uh, get his uh, VCs and investors from previous companies. So yeah, why not? It, it is a really uh, possible scenario. Super. Um, and you mentioned earlier that you guys were doing a lot of due diligence uh, as an analyst yeah. um, on the startups that, that your, your firm was considering. What metrics or factors really made a difference? What were you guys focused on when you looked at the startups and their decks and, and their, um, the data that they gave you? So the main key reasons for investing was, as I mentioned before, the team, mm -hmm. exit strategy, business model, a problem they're trying to solve and competitive advantage is very ex I, I mean extremely important because the main one of the main things uh, we were looking at, at was why you're differentiated why you're different and mm -hmm. how you're trying to solve the same problem in a, in your own way and of course patents if you have any patents if you have any PhDs on your side in your team it is also very important so when you are, have some technology patented, there, there are no companies that will be able to copy it. So yeah, th this is uh, like, I think the main reasons. Also the background of the team, right. uh, if, if there are several entrepreneurs, if there are any advisors who are like outstanding entrepreneurs in this industry, it is also very important. Yeah, I think from the top of my head, this is pretty much it. Um, Okay, yeah. um, and I want, I want to focus a little bit for, for founders that might not have that in in the network of VC. Maybe they don't have a great connection. Maybe they don't have a track record uh, of successful startups in their past. Uh, maybe they're not from Silicon Valley. You know, we work with a lot of partners who are in you know, Denver or Atlanta or, or different places that aren't known as, you know, startup hotspots. Yeah. Um, what sorts of advice would you give them for sort of breaking in the door, sort of getting it into, you worked with Startup World Cup, which yeah. was, was really cool. It was a global competition for startups. Yeah. Is that something that you would say, hey guys, if you don't have a network, try and get into some incubator, some competition, get your pitch in front of people, yeah, for sure. So um, the possibility of cold calls and emailing to the VCs and the possibility that you will be you will be answered or you will raise money is pretty low, like almost nine, not zero percent. Mm. But uh, I can sh assure you that if you will be trying to attend such events as the Startup World Cup, it is a pitch competition. It is an initiative that. Um, the VC I was working with has started in 2016 and they have started with only 16 cities participating in it, but already in a year there were 35 countries mm -hmm. participating in this event because the value of such events is not like a possibility to gain money because at the very end of this competition, the winner uh, is raising $1 million of investments from the fund. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, when we were talking with the startups participating in it, they said that uh, it is not about the money, it is about the possibility to be heard and listened and to have a chance to pitch in front of the most prominent investors in the industry, especially in Silicon Valley. So I think if you will try to attend such events and will try to pitch, 
in as many competition as competitions as possible, of course, in global competitions, right. there is a chance that you will be um, that you will be marked and that the chance that you will be uh, reached by the VC fund. But yeah, um, and that, the changed, uh, that, that, that changed a lot in the last couple of years with COVID. It, it became less necessary to actually go to these events yeah. in person, which is a barrier to entry. If you don't have a lot of money, you know, it costs money to get to Silicon Valley. It costs money to, to get anywhere and stay for an event for a couple of days. Uh, but now we see that you know, people are raising over Zoom, pitching over Zoom. Sure, sure. Is, this is happening with accelerators and, and all over the world. Um, how was it to, to see that uh, evolution from, from the investor side, um, it seems like it was fun, it was exciting, I don't know. Yeah, so we have to adapt to the situation and it is true, a lot of events went virtual, a lot of events were going online and uh, so there were like a live competition inside of the country but some of the participants, some of the juries, and especially ambassadors of the fund were online. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty interesting. And I, I have also a chance to participate in event in Austria. It was pretty interesting. I was in the auditory and there were a lot of cameras mm -hmm. and I was like almost alone. And there were a, a team who was like doing all the mic microphones and everything. <laughs> it, right. is, it is modern world, yeah. So I think it is also very convenient for some of the startups, like you're pitching in front of your MacBook, right. in front of the camera and no one there. So it's much more comfortable because pitch is very important. You have to, you have to know how to do it. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, and one other thing I'd like to touch on just while I have you here, and it might be interesting for our audience in terms of, internally in Parallax because Silicon Valley is such a cool spot to be and you got the chance to go there a couple times to meet with your team to, to do different things with the VC fund. What were your impressions of California and what can you tell us about those experiences? So California is a really amazing place. I mean, the weather was great. A lot of Teslas, <laughs> a lot of entrepreneurs. So you can feel the spirit of a startup there. Like each person, I think each person there is a startup entrepreneur or something. People work a lot. Like mm -hmm. they work, I think, more than 12 hours straight. Uh, a lot of companies there, a lot of possibilities, but a lot of poverty also there, a yeah. lot of homeless people. Mm -hmm. uh, I was not impressed with that. Right. But yeah, uh, it is a great place, but a very expensive place. I mean, crazy expensive place to live. I, I don't, I'm not sure that I will ever want to live there, <laughs> except if I, if I will ever have our own startup or if Parallect will have an office there to raise money. Right. This is the only reason I will go there. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it, I, it's reflected in the amounts of money that startups raise. You know, you see it all the yeah. time. This startup is from Silicon Valley, so their Series A is, you know, $20 million. Yeah, you can afford to were, live there. <laughs> If they were in, you know, some other city, especially Central Euro Eastern Europe, for example, their Series A could be, you know, three million dollars instead. Yeah. And um, the effect on the product and sort of the road, the runway that they get yeah. from that investment 
will be almost the same because of the different costs. Yeah, if you have uh, reached the break-even uh, period, if you are a working business, if you are not an early stage startup, if you have already some investors on your board, you can surely afford to live in Silicon Valley and to meet with different people. Uh, this is also the situation I faced when I worked at the startup called Craft. Uh, we have a founder who moved from uh, London to Silicon Valley to meet more people and to have more chance to raise money. So yeah, um, this is a awesome place for raising money, but it is a really tough place to live, I think. Yeah, yeah and there's been a lot of pushback even from people in tech about the livability of the city, you know, Miami is the new hotspot, some yeah, people Texas, say Texas, Texas and Austin. Um, is this a great place for startups? So there are options other than Silicon Valley, definitely, and especially now in the remote first world. I wanted to ask you about your experience working remotely because you had done it for, for a couple years now, almost four, four or five years. Do you have any sort of life hacks for uh, being productive and, and happy as a remote worker, or would you rather be in the office again? You know, I've been working remotely, as you said, for several years or time, but when I have joined Parallax, I have, you know, it, it is like a new life, I think. When you are going to the office, you have a lot of people there, you can talk to each other, you can go for a coffee, you, you feel that there are other humans. <laughs> and, and you have a schedule, like, right. you know that you have to get up early to get to the office, and it is very convenient because when you're at home, you don't feel the time, like, right. you have to have a schedule. And I really enjoy to work at the office here and I really don't want to leave. I mean, I have to fly uh, back to my home uh, in, in a week, so I don't know how I will go through it. <laughs> right. But yeah, the office is awesome because you can ask anyone right away, like if you need help or, and everyone at the Paralect is really helpful. So you can go like at the, uh, next room and ask them for help. It is much more convenient. All right, uh, let's jump into what you're doing now with Paralect a little bit. Um, I'm curious, uh, what attracted you um, to Paralect? What about the the business analyst role at Paralect attracted you, and made you want to to join sort of a, a product role as opposed to what you were doing in the VC? Yeah, so a few years ago, I have realized that working from the both sides, from um, venture capital and in the startup, is really interesting. But I really want to be in the products. Mm -hmm. I really want to learn as much as I can in different domains. And when you are a business analyst, you have to become an expert in your customer's product. And you can help them to deliver more you know, more valuable features, you can help them to get to the certain point where they can, you know, sell their product or can work more effectively. And you are at the top and you are at the moment when you can help them uh, trying to develop new features with Parallax or with other company, developing requirements, developing different diagrams. And you are at the very, at the very moment where you are working synonymously with the customer. So it is pretty amazing, I think. And it is a really interesting job where you are learning and learning every time. So when I was working at the VC, 
it was also very important to know what the company is doing, but you didn't have to go in depth. And mm -hmm. for me, it was always interesting to get to know what their technology they're doing, what is the code, what are the uh, languages they're using, how the product look like inside, what is the architecture. Yeah, so and in terms of the company, uh, when I was ready to go to the next level and going to the next company, I had a certain criteria which company I'm looking for. So it was the diversity. It was a company with a really awesome culture. It was a company that uh, will be really interesting to work with, who is working with the high technologies and where the secret company uh, component is you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the Parallel was a perfect match and uh, I'm really happy I'm here. So I, I really like what I'm doing right now and I really like my team and uh, everything is pretty amazing right now. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, we're, we're really, really glad to have you here. And as far as I understand from Ksenia, the, the head of the BA team, in 2022, uh, they want to expand their proficiency, sort of uh, their expertise, not only in business analysis, but also uh, product management. Is this something that excites you? Are you excited to dive deeper into product yeah, management? Yeah, ex extremely. Like, I really want to gain new knowledge as a product manager and maybe as a product owner in the future. A lot of people here I have met in Parallel are already working with that and you have like people you can learn from and I think we have enough expertise right now to go forward with that because the team of the business analysts here in Parallel is really on a high level and they're really awesome professionals so I think we can really manage that and I really think that it will be awesome for us to go into that knowledge and to gain as much experience as we can. Yeah, so the next year will be pretty amazing and I'm extremely excited to go for it. Fantastic, yeah, I'm excited too. Um, for anyone that is looking for an awesome team to join, head out over to join.parallect.com. There are a bunch of roles there, including in product management, including uh, engineering, design. I'm not sure if there are any more BA openings there now, but probably there will be in the future for sure. So have a look, uh, send us a message, follow us on all the socials. And I'm really glad that you joined our team. I'm glad that you came on the show for our first, first episode of season two. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. All right, have an awesome 2022 everyone and ship it and sip it.